0: Welcome to Mars Messina Presents. I am Mars, and today is Saturday, December 16th, 2023, and I am coming at you from a completely different different room in the Mars homestead, if you will. So our inner sanctum of a studio has other projects going on in it. And so now I'm in a different room and the acoustics might be different. So hopefully they're not distracting. I do have a canine very close by and that canine just might want to add to the conversation or shall I say, address us in some way that actually does not really add to the conversation. But anyway, just so you're aware, I am in a different room with different acoustics and I hope hope it's at least as good, if not better than the studio. Anyway, the subject of episode 135 is about the very common mental health condition called anxiety disorder and specifically how to treat it in a constructive way. So anxiety itself is a normal emotion that invokes fear, dread, and unease. In the right situations, it is very useful and um, even beyond useful, we need it. However, for some people, and I will be honest, I am one of those people, I am some people, These feelings of worry and nervousness become persistent, excessive, and invasive. They even interfere with daily living. Such people might be diagnosed with a disorder called general anxiety disorder, and or with another, uh, I would say similar neurotic disorder. So if you have intense, severe and out of control painful thoughts, or know someone who does, it might be useful to pull out a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen, since we're going to do a little exercise toward the end of this show. Now, the remainder of the show is how to deal with anxiety. And this is a really vital tool that I'm going to share with you with the caveat that nothing is a magic bullet. But this is so useful that it might cut down on any need for further therapy or medication. It's very useful and you can use it um, in your day to day living. Okay. So let's talk about examples of persistent dreadful thoughts. Um, Do you catastrophize? Do you have health anxiety? Do you think no one likes you? Are you constantly worried that you're making a fool of yourself? Do these types of thoughts or variations thereof play in your head constantly like a broken record? and that they are so there and so big and so deeply felt that you take it as truth. If so, you are suffering from something that is called limiting beliefs. Now, let's get to this vital tool that I'm talking about. This vital tool with which to help ourselves is knowing how to question ourselves and how to question our thought processes. It involves becoming aware of and reflecting on scenarios that may not be correct or of benefit to you. We will learn how to put a strategy into practice in this episode. So the term cognitive restructuring I'll say it again, cognitive restructuring, refers to the process of challenging and changing irrational thoughts. Socratic questioning is one technique that encourages this process. Therapists use Socratic questioning verbally by asking probing questions about their client's irrational thoughts as clients improve their awareness of irrational thoughts, they can begin to consciously question their own thoughts and in effect become their own therapist. So credit questioning CBT, and CBT stands for Cognitive Behavioral, Behavioral, behavior, oh my gosh. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, and this type of therapy, Socratic Questioning CBT, or Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, has its basis with the teachings of the ancient philosopher Socrates. He took a novel approach for his time. He used questions to help another person move toward self-realization, rather than simply teaching them specific beliefs. So, so credit questioning is one of the main techniques, if not the main technique used in CBT. In CBT, ineffective thought pro- processes and patterns are challenged and more adaptive thinking is nurtured to take its place the more effective thinking in turn leads to emotional stability and more productive behavior. Socratic questioning CBT is, like I said, the primary mechanism used by therapists during cognitive restructuring. So, Socratic questions typically have the following characteristics. First of all, They are open-ended. Open-ended questions are intended to facilitate further thought. For example, How are you feeling? is an open-ended question that allows the person to answer in any way they wish. In contrast, Are you feeling well? is a closed question that leads to shorter and less thoughtful answers, like simply answering yes or no and stopping there. So the questions are open-ended mainly. Or if they're closed questions, they are followed up with an open question. Socratic questions also focus on a specific topic. So the therapist has a goal in mind when asking Socratic questions. They want the client to explore particular thoughts that may not be working for them. For example, when a client makes an irrational statement like, nobody likes me, the therapist may ask, can you provide evidence that supports your thought? Socratic questions are unbiased. They are meant to foster honest examination that don't push the client toward a foregone conclusion. The therapist wants the client to consider different viewpoints and come up with the most adaptive solution for them. Although it may be tempting to guide a client toward an answer that the therapist endorses, the therapist must remain non-judgmental. For instance, they might ask you, what would your family or friends think of your assumption? Finally, Socratic questioning is uncomplicated. There are no 10-part questions. Socratic questions are usually short, easy to understand, and to the point. For example, your therapist might ask, is there a real-life example that reinforces what you are saying? Okay, so the process of this type of questioning involves the following steps. First, you must identify the maladaptive thought. In order to examine a thought, you first need to identify it and there's too many people walking around thinking they don't have a problem or they don't know what the problem is. So this does require some self-questioning even toward the beginning, some self-introspection. What is my problem and is, is this a problem? Or somebody might point out, or two or three or more people might point out that you have an issue and you have to ask yourself if you really do. Um, just a case in point, um, I was walking down the street one day and I had run into someone I know very well. And it was the usual, Hey, how are you doing kind of thing. And then when he got right up to me, he goes, I have a silly question to ask you. And he's looking around to make sure no one else is listening in or can hear. And then he leans into me and he says, do I have bugs crawling all over me? And I've known this guy very well. He's not nuts, but he's got issues. And I told him the truth. No, you don't, but you may have this disorder or that disorder. I can't be the one to uh, diagnose that, but you need to talk to somebody about it. Uh, You shouldn't have to walk through life thinking this. So that helped him identify maladaptive thinking. Okay. Um, In CBT, the premise is that thoughts lead to feelings, which then influence behavior. A person's beliefs start the whole chain of events so that they must be recognized, and clients are encouraged to record whatever thoughts pop into their heads that may lead to problematic situations and then the therapist makes sure to repeat the belief for clarification so that the problem is clear to both the therapist and to the client. Secondly, we need to examine the evidence. This second step is to explore the evidence behind the thought. In other words, is the client's thought supported by the evidence or do they believe it without any proof? Third, the thought is challenged. If the evidence does not support the thought, it is time to challenge it. This can be done through Socratic questioning that pokes holes in the client's beliefs. For example, are there any reasons to doubt your assertion or for? clients um, that may continue to cling on to those irrational beliefs, it is useful to suggest a behavioral experiment. And a behavioral experiment asks the client to perform a behavior that helps them understand that their thought is unfounded. For instance, a client with social anxiety says that if they attend a work social function, it is sure to end in embarrassment and disgrace. As an experiment, the therapist suggests they go ahead and attend a work happy hour, which is relatively shorter, and report on what happens. And I also have social anxiety, and um, I was invited out to dinner last night. Now, thankfully, it was kind of an early dinner, and it was very close by, so if I needed to leave, I could just walk home, and it was with people I was very comfortable with, but I'll tell you, I had, I got really dizzy before we were leaving. I got sick to my stomach, and I just told myself, this is the anxiety talking. It's lying to me. I'm going to go to dinner, and I'm going to be fine, and... Of course, that was the case. Now, for those of you who don't suffer from this thing, you might sound, I might sound ridiculous. I might sound silly, but this is a very real thing that happens in people's minds and it's very powerful. And so we do have to do something that seems really silly, like going to a happy hour to test ourselves if we can go to a longer party. And no one likes it. We wish we could just turn that mechanism off, but it's there. So we need to cope with it. And these are coping systems of which I am speaking. Finally, with Socratic questioning, the client develops an alternative thought. Once it has been determined that the client's belief does not stand up to scrutiny, it is time for them to develop a more realistic thought. A therapist might ask, is there an alternative view that is better supported by the evidence? And you might answer that question by saying, right, I do not have bugs crawling all over me. You know, and again, you know, to the outsider, they're like, well, duh, but this person is deeply living this maladaptive thinking and it's not their fault and we can explore reasons why people have these maladaptive thoughts and it's usually triggered by some sort of trauma. Um, So don't laugh if you are intent to, or if you are leaning toward this as being ridiculous, because it's not, it's real. Anyway, since no one in this conversation right now, is a cognitive behavioral therapist, or at least I'm not. Let's run some experiments on ourselves to see how this works. In fact, the CBT therapist does give their client homework to do. So this is the time now to grab a piece of paper and a pen. I will ask Socratic questions. And I want you to think about a nexus of anxiety that you may have or a close loved one may have and try to answer these questions carefully and thoughtfully. Feel free to pause this recording while you write and you can come back for more. So I'm going to kind of speak slowly uh, because maybe you want to even listen to this one time first and then go back. Uh, So this gives you time to think about how you're going to answer these questions because they're open-ended pretty much. Thoughts are like running dialogues in our brains. They come and they go really fast. So fast, in fact, that we rarely have time to question them. Because our thoughts determine how we feel, and therefore how we act, it's important to challenge any thoughts that cause us harm. So, we're going to spend a moment thinking about these following questions, and you can record thorough responses. Again, put this on pause if you're writing something out and just come back. Elaborate. And explain why or why not in your responses. So, here's the first question. We always start off stating one of our intrusive or harmful thoughts that must be questioned. For example, I must have an undiagnosed illness, or no one likes me, or I feel like a fake. Second question or second directive, list the evidence for this thought. And after you've listed the evidence for this thought, list the evidence against this thought. Third question. Ask yourself, am I basing this thought on facts or on feelings and then elaborate from there. Fourth question, is this thought black and white, keeping in mind that reality is more complicated? Fifth question, ask yourself. If you could be misinterpreting the evidence, are you making assumptions? Sixth question, might other people approach your thought with a different interpretation of this thought? What are their interpretations? Seventh question, ask yourself if you are looking at all of the evidence or are you only looking at evidence that supports your thought? Are you dismissing evidence that does not support your thought for any good reason. Number eight, could your thought be an exaggeration of what is actually true? Number nine, are you having this thought out of habit or do all the facts support it? Number 10, did someone pass this thought on to you? If yes, are they a reliable source? Number 11. Did something happen to you that triggered this particular thought? Why is something that happened in the past still controlling you now? And finally, number 12. Is your thought a likely scenario or a worst case scenario. Now after we've run through uh, these questions, we start to develop an alternative thought. Once we have determined that the limiting belief does not stand up to scrutiny, it's time to develop a more realistic thought. Ask yourself, is there an alternative view that is better supported by the evidence? The theory behind cognitive therapy claims that negative thoughts lead to negative feelings, since Socratic questioning is posited to lead to more realistic thinking, it makes sense that Socratic questioning would lead to an increase in positive feelings. In one study, clinically depressed individuals experienced a significant reduction in symptomatology as a result of Socratic questioning. One of the purported strengths of Socratic Questioning is that it fosters a collaborative approach between therapist and client. Now you might be one of those clients who would rather have their therapist just present information and tell them what to do. Because aren't you paying big money and they're supposed to be the expert, right? well just like a physical doctor that you might go and see you'd be surprised to discover that clients find this kind of teamwork um, that you find with socratic questioning more helpful than didactic teaching and it just so happens that this teamwork this this teamwork approach to your problem is central to cognitive behavioral therapy. One of the most, this is um, a lot of people say they don't like talk therapy and I'm one of them. But this isn't, um, and I don't wanna put down any other types because they do work for people. But like for me, I don't wanna be talking about my inner child, okay? I know what happened in my childhood. I know what happened in my childhood. I want to move forward. How do I cope, you know, with things that I cannot undo? And even though an event may have happened and I'm over it, I obviously may have um, developed habits or a habitual way of thinking that inf- infects the rest of my life. So how do I like constructively work on this day to day, starting like my first meeting with my therapist? And this is what CBT does, that's what it does. So you're not dwelling in the past, you're moving forward in the moment and then into the future in a very realistic way. One of the most important aspects of Socratic questioning is that it invites clients to challenge their distorted thoughts and come up with solutions to their problems, or in other words, to enhance critical thinking. And critical thinking is critically moribund in present day society. And it's really good to start with ourselves first. So we must enhance our critical thinking. This is a coping skill that will benefit us for the rest of our lives and hopefully enable us to avoid further therapy or medications in the future because i've talked to plenty of doctors now there's people who need medication but actually most people on medication don't need medication and i am one of those people i don't need it i don't like it i don't want to be reliant on it And, you know, every single doctor I have spoken to, and they haven't even spoken to themselves, they agree with me. And even when I'm having a really bad time where I'm like, oh my gosh, I must probably need something to take. And they're like, no, 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 you just need to talk your problems through and come up with better ways to, to cope with it. You know, and especially in 2023, I think we've all gone through something that has um, been injurious and and we're all suffering in one way or another. Um, And I think CBT would be good for just about everyone right now, you know? Um, Like I said, you know, these coping skills that CBT teaches hopefully enables us to avoid therapy or medication in the future. And, as Socrates himself has said, and I quote, I know you won't believe me, but the highest form of human excellence is to question oneself and others. Close quote. And we have reached Bedtime Stories from the Acoustic Bookshelf And here is a sweet little poem called, Hope is the Thing with Feathers. And it is written by Emily Dickinson. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. Until next week. Arrivederci.